On today's episode, we have Justin Rabinowitz. Justin is a chiropractor, published author, and entrepreneur. Justin founded his first company in New Jersey three years after graduating from chiropractic school and now has founded and partnered in five companies in and around the healthcare industry, which combined are worth over seven figures. Justin launched Strive to Move with a vision of opening a practice that would be world-class in clinical excellence and business skills. Justin has a lot of wisdom to offer from years of clinical experience working with people in pain and now passes on his experiences as a business owner to help all of us build better businesses, help more clients, and make more money. In this episode, we will dive into the following topics. Lessons and failures from working with people in pain, strategies for messaging and creating expectations within your practice, and how business skills can lead to better client outcomes. If you want to learn more from Justin, check out his podcast called Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor, or check out him on Instagram. So without further ado, here's our episode with Justin Robinowitz. Less pain. Hey, Justin, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, and I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to talking shop. Oh yeah, this is my this is my first episode of uh, season three, so I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm a little, a little nervous. I kind of forget how to do this a little bit. I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> to do it. We'll we'll get through it together. There you go. So I'm very interested in talking to you because I want, there's like two different perspectives. One is kind of the theme of the season, which is relating towards, you know, helping people and um, with experiencing pain symptoms physically, but then also helping them make sense of their experience, your communication strategies. And your experience as a chiropractor, you probably have a ton of lessons and strategies. But then um, me personally, I'm probably more interested or interested in you as like the business skills perspective and how you've kind of come about that and what you have to offer to people who work with people in pain. Um, So I guess I kind of want to dive into your experience as a chiropractor first. Um, How did you, what are maybe some big lessons that you've learned working with people who are experiencing pain? I think it's a, it's an interesting question because it's divided into two parts, but actually if you asked me to the answer to both sides of it comes down to one word, uh, communication. And so as we dive into, you know, my clinical experience working with patients that are in pain, um, I think one of the challenges that we all have is the best thing in business is in order to get someone to believe in you or to sell someone that dirty word is to have conviction. But the only way that I think ethical and high level clinicians can have conviction is if they actually believe in what they're saying. And so the problem as we speak about it is that we've all had these, like if we look at our true chronic pain patient, like, you know, in the literature, it's very hard to have conviction that you're going to get that person out of pain. And so now if we say that in order to build your business or to work with a client, you as a clinician have to have conviction, but that it's really hard to then have conviction with a patient that is in chronic pain because the likelihood that you're going to get them out of pain is very low. Now we're sort of stuck. And so if that's the case, what I think is what, and what I teach other people 
I always say you have to play a home game. Like you have to put it in context that you that can work for you. And so let's just pick, play a scenario out. If a patient came in that I deemed to have chronic pain or longstanding pain, and they said, can you guarantee that I'll get you out of pain? The answer that I'll give them is no, right? Because I can't tell them I can guarantee that I'm going to get them that result because what I know about pain and pain science, I mean, basically I tell people it's weird. Like comes in one day, goes away the next, and you don't know. I'll give you a, a, an example. I had a patient years and years ago. He was referred by a friend who works for hospital for special surgery. He was a pain management doctor. And this friend who I appreciate very much, but basically by the time he sends me someone, it's it's kind of like um, nothing else has worked. Just let's pray that this works. And uh, challenging. The guy walks in. He has a spinal stimulator in. He's like chronic pain all the time. And he was the nicest guy. And you felt just terrible for him in his situation. And so he came in with chronic back pain. And uh, the first day we did like basic hip hinging, movement-based approach, and he loved it. And he was doing fantastic. Uh, He left that visit. And then we got a call the next day. And he's like, I can't get out of bed. I can't come in. But, but he goes, my neck hurts. It's my neck that's killing me. And it was at that moment that you recognize someone with chronic pain, we were doing hip hinging with a dowel, like his neck wasn't moving at all. He didn't come even come in with neck pain, that the issues that he was facing was so far beyond the scope of like a mechanically based back pain that I could look and say, if we teach you how to hinge, if we teach you how to move your hips, if we teach you how to use your core, that it's going to fix this problem because it's again, so far beyond just a simple biomechanical solution. And so that's like an extreme version of that. So taking it back to speaking with conviction and then going into talking about being able to put it in a context that we understand and can help. If someone says, can I guarantee that we're going to get you out of pain? The answer is no. But then the next conversation is, but here's what I can help you with. And here's what I can guarantee. Based on my assessment, and I'm making this up, based on my assessment, I know that when you go to pick up something off the ground, you do it in a way that is not advantageous for your spine. I know that when you talk about using your core and doing your abdominal exercises, potentially there's more that we can do with that. I know that the mobility in your left hip and right hip are absolutely different and we can certainly work on that. I know that your ankles don't move the way they're supposed to. And because of all of that, I know that that's not certainly not helping your back pain and also potentially making it worse. And I can guarantee you that we will be able to work on all of those things. And what typically happens In those situations, if we can start to work on those and those improve, your back pain will improve as well. Now, I won't guarantee that because pain is weird and it comes and goes and there's a lot to it. However, I can absolutely guarantee you that the things that we just spoke about, we can can focus on and we can work through. So that not only is a clinical decision-making process of what I actually can do for that client and patient, it's also a communication where I can speak with conviction of those are things I absolutely can do. And so that patient can say, if you can't guarantee that I'm, not, that I'm going to be out of pain, I'm not going to work with you. And I'd say, no problem, because I wouldn't do that to you. It's not fair. But at the same time, I can tell you exactly the things that I will work on and the things I can guarantee you. And so I hope that from a pain perspective, potentially what I just talked about not only addresses the, the clinical side, but it also addresses the business side in that if you do that well, that patient will give you a chance they will pay you money to do your thing and they hopefully won't be so upset or frustrated or ask for their money back if it doesn't, what I say, work because you didn't guarantee them that in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah. And have you had to train your employees to have those difficult conversations about setting expectations up front? 
all we do, right? It's all we do. It's basically as we, you know, we now, so if you dive into the business side of it uh, over the last few years, that's, you know, where my bread and butter has sort of become. It started as a clinician and almost any time we, we have a patient that doesn't continue with care with us or says no to our care for whatever reason, it's expensive or we don't take insurance or all these other things. 10 out of 10 times, it comes back to a lack of clarity on A, what problem they really had, B, how we could help them, and C, why we were the right solution to sort of fix their problem. And so that is all that I do, number one, with my own team and anything that I do with my own team, then it translates into like my mastermind and coaching. But it absolutely goes into all of that. And, you know, for me, I guess just giving a little background, you know, my my program, it's rehab chiropractors, which are chiros like me that believe that there's more than just cracking backs. Um, but the thing that I've hung my hat on for my entire career, it's what my practice is built on. It's what my coaching clients are built on. And it's what we believe. It's that you you can do two things well. You can be a world-class clinician and have a world-class business. But that idea of that communication side and how to communicate to a patient clinically and also quote unquote sell them that you're the right solution. I think it fits perfectly in exactly what you're talking about. And then from a scalability standpoint, for me, if if I'm not going to, I'm in my basement right now recording this podcast and our practice is running. If I'm the only one that has that information and my team doesn't, then we're not going to be able to be successful. Now, earlier in your career, because you obviously you've gotten to a point where I want to talk about your mastermind, yep. that you have these strategies and lessons that pass on to others. But when you were, you know, a young chiropractor or business owner, what sort of like mistakes and failures did you make up at front when you learned these lessons? Um, what mistakes and failures did I make? I think that I, I, I learned this actually from a lawyer a few months ago, and it just, um, it, it put a, a bow on a lot of things that, that I, that I had thought of before. And, and someone asked her, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to any business owner? And, and she said that, you have to come up with a process and then you have to stick to your process and you cannot let your clients change your process. And so the context for me in my practice is that we have a very specific process that a new client goes through. They do a phone call, they do a first visit, they do a second visit, and then we do a prescription on a plan for them. And you'll get people that call that just want to get in today and they want to cut the process short. But we are very strict on making sure that now we have our process and we stick to our process because it's like pattern recognition in the gym. Like that's what, that's how we're best. And so we can't let someone change that for us. So where I made the mistake early on was number one, I didn't have a process, right? And number two, I would let the the patient or the client, depending on how they were feeling that day or what their pain was that day or when they wanted to come in or do that, I let them dictate how the process ran. And it doesn't mean that they're not an active participant in what we're doing. It's not the same thing. It's just that like, we have to have confidence in what our plan is and what our process is. And we have to allow people to go through that systematically over time. So to answer your question, it's A, not having a process and B, not sticking to that process. Yeah, I think the the phone call up front before the first session, ever since I started doing that, I just won't have a session without it. I think it's just an absolute must because you get to even just build a rapport before they come into the gym, their anxiety drops down because, you know, they've talked to you, they know what your voice kind of sounds like. Um, Maybe you can like get them to laugh a little bit on the phone. So, you know, they already kind of start liking you. And I think that just like makes the outcome, especially for the first session, the orientation session, much better. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so what do you see in like, well, we talked about like transforming your message to people. So I have talked about this a little bit of like, I think I've definitely made failures and mistakes up front when we start learning about like biomechanics and, you know, I've taken like a lot of courses and educational things with a lot of PTs. And then like, I start thinking that, you know, maybe I can solve these people's problems. Um, and maybe not making those problems directly, even if it's like indirect. And I think that's probably a mistake I've definitely made in the past where my language has had to really change and being like, it's it's management. And some people want to be listened to. And sometimes people, you get people moving because I know you've, I've heard you talk about not just quote unquote cracking people's backs, but focusing on the movement portion, just doing those things in general will help pain symptoms kind of come down and then where people do start feeling better. Um, I think a big thing that I've messed up on working with general populations clients is kind of what you've mentioned a few minutes ago, where like everything goes really well. It's almost like the perfect session. And then they call you the next day and there's an expectation with general population clients that with like any soreness or pain, it's like a dead stop, right? And maybe like, uh, like they're feeling something in their shoulder and they tell you the next day and then it's just like done, like the relationship's done. So it's kind of a very thing you kind of have to, to battle, but having that conversation up front kind of sets the tone a little bit of, Hey, we just got to keep moving through this process. And I, and I think just to, uh, to bolt onto that, we have a, a drill, I guess you could call it in our business uh, when we do sales training that we call the car crash game. And the car crash game is essentially where we want to see the car, where's the car going to crash before it does so that we can address it before it happens. And so everything you're saying, I've experienced that as a clinician. Um, I had a, I'll give you, I can tell you two different stories. I had a patient years ago who she saw me prior to having neck surgery and then she had neck surgery and she came right back to me. And the first day that she came back to me, I was doing hands-on some manual therapy just to kind of get everything calmed down. And I was proceeding with extreme caution and she's laying on the table. I'll never forget. And she's like, that's, you know, I need more like push hard. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. She's like, no, like I need, I need to feel it. I need to do more. And so after like the fourth time, again, I listened to her, which is my fault. Um, and I pushed harder and did more. Well, that exact thing happened. The next day she called and it wasn't like, she's just like, I'm not coming back in. My neck is killing me. That was my fault, right? Um, another situation, not as dramatic as that, I had a patient, so I'm, I, uh, I've trained in McKenzie therapy, so repeated motion therapy. And I had a patient who had knee pain who came to me and her knee was kind of like locked in flexion a little bit. And so we did repeated extensions of the knee. Um, and so I did that with her and two days later she came back and she's like, I don't know what you did, but my knee is so sore. It's killing me. Now, range of motion wise, it improved and all the signs and symptoms were actually good. Like we did the right thing. I just didn't tell her that because it's like your knee was locked in this position for probably 20 years. And we just added a ton of range of motion that you don't have yet. And so by pushing you into extension, like I didn't tell you to expect to be unbelievably sore the next day. And because of that, you came back and were like, this is not good. Now, again, everything was fine. But in that situation, all that would have had to happen was before. It was just like, hey, we're doing this. You haven't done this in 20 years. There's a very good likelihood that you're going to be sore tomorrow. In fact, I would be surprised if you're not. And actually, we might not have pushed hard enough if we didn't. So if I just told her that, she'd be like, yeah, just like you said, my knee is sore. 
And yeah. so that happens with fitness. It happens uh, with clinical, but it's always like, how can this go wrong? How can I screw this up? What do I have to communicate to this person before it happens uh, so that if it does, they can come in and say, you know what? You said my shoulder was going to be sore. You know, and you were right. It's sore versus I'm not coming back in. My shoulder hurts. Yeah, absolutely. That was literally my biggest lesson. I, I was, I worked with collegiate strength conditioning athletes, D1. That was never a thing that kind of crossed through my mind. Like they, they, that was an expectation to them of like soreness and kind of fatigue and kind of, you know, the price of their performance in some ways. And then when I switched to the private setting, general population clients, I didn't know that people with zero training history or sports history, even slight soreness is a huge red flag to the point where they think that something is very, very wrong. So even if I don't think someone, quote unquote, is going to be sore the next day, just setting that expectation of like, you will be sore the next day. And that is a part of the process was a massive lesson for me. Yeah, perfect. You did the car crash game yourself. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about a little bit of like tying into the fitness industry. And um, I've seen a lot too with um, businesses around here and your sport and the, uh, the amp t-shirt today. Which That's I right. Love. Shout um, out. <laughs> but like physical therapist practices and chiropractic practices kind of moving into like the tying into the fitness space and what a good relationship that is yeah. with people. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, so for me, what I, we've sort of coined the term, honestly, uh, in my world, we call ourselves rehab chiropractors. And the typical rehab chiropractor are people that often have a strength and conditioning background. They are either trainers or CSCS, or they work in college settings. And then a lot, they get to a point of, they look at clients and some of them just say, like, I want to be able to do more. And so they end up going to chiropractic school. But through that process, they don't want to lose their strength and conditioning and their movement-based stuff that they've that they've taken with them is a big part of what they do. Now, the problem, in, and it's PT as well, and Cairo, is that when you kind of graduate with that piece of paper and that degree, uh, you're not really trained to do anything but lay someone on the table and sort of crack their back or to give them a crappy exercises in PT or something like that. And so there's this movement of clinicians, Cairo and PT, specifically my audience, Cairo's, that look at it and say, I need these people to move and I believe in the lifting side and I all this, I also know that I should help them get out of pain. And we've been able to kind of meld those together and we call ourselves, you know, rehab chiropractors. And, um, I, I just believe that with a lot of things going on right now, I know probably your audience knows like a guy like Peter Atia, who's popularized things like DNS. And we get people calling us for DNS that they heard it on Peter Atia's podcast, which is fantastic. But I think he talks about like this medicine 3.0, which is beyond just the regular, like, take a pill for your problem. And so I think that we're sort of at the at the forefront of what this new medicine looks like. You know, uh, injury prevention, obviously, it's like a, a bad term to use. But, you know, just like you go to the dentist and it's like you don't just go in, you have a cavity, but there's more to it than just my back hurts, I get cracked, and I go on my way. There's more to it than my back hurts and I get an injection. Like there's this whole other world that you guys do from a movement perspective that you guys do an unbelievable job of in the strength world and that we can do for people that are in pain. And most of the time there's more similarity than difference. If it was a Venn diagram, we meet in the middle, strength coach, Cairo PT with this movement, this movement, so to speak. And then we may have our little 
uh, extras that we might do in, in different capacities. So I hope that like explains what, what we're seeing now. And, and, you know, my, my group or my mastermind, we have like a hundred and something people that, uh, that are, that's who they are. Like they are kind of, they're strength coaches that also know how to work with people in pain. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think one of my biggest barriers is we will be back after this quick message. The biggest struggles trainers and rehab professionals have with building and scaling their online training programs, attracting remote fitness clients, and maintaining communication is having quality videos that provide exercise technique and coaching instruction. Well, now you can stop searching the internet. You will never find them unless you go to michellebowen-training.com for the best exercise database on the internet. Imagine all of the funny looks your programs get when clients are trying to figure out what an exercise on their training program is instead of having clear instruction. Gain access to over 1,500 exercise videos, coaching tutorials, and hundreds of positional instructional videos to send to your remote clients with the new digital format of the MBT Exercise Database. You will not find a contralateral reach walking lunge, a military crawl designed for posterior expansion, or a frontal plane hip shifting med ball slam on YouTube or anywhere else for that matter. The new database dropped in 2021 and hundreds of fitness and rehab professionals use it to easily build out their online training programs with built-in buttons to insert the videos into personalized training programs or to use videos to send to their rehab patients for at-home homework. The database will transform your training business by drastically improving scalability, improving communication with clients, and teaching them proper technique from afar. If you don't believe me, Dr. Pat Davison said, and I quote, this database is a goldmine for coaches who care about executing movements for athletes that can legitimately impact sports performance and health. So head over to michellebowen-training.com to learn more. And now back to the show. You know, I have a lot of people in the area that I trust that are very like pain centered focus, quote unquote, like I can send them and I know like they probably get like good results. But at the same time, I run run like a private training company. So if I refer someone out to someone who kind of is, you know, in a gym setting does pretty much the same thing, but I feel like it can assess the pain symptoms a little bit more. Sometimes it's a it's an interesting kind of like business move, but I think if you're under one roof and the collaboration is happening directly inside a gym, it's like a 10 times better like communication strategy and like situation for that client instead of kind of like getting sent to like different places. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I don't know when this is coming out, but um, today we released exactly what you're talking about. I think your audience would be great. I don't know. Maybe we could even link it, but literally yeah. what you're talking about with James Pratt, who owns Pratt Personal Training, uh, they do, they have a huge business. They're all like semi-private training gym, high level. I'm a client there. We, we have this conversation of how does that relationship look? When does it go right? When does it go wrong? And James is someone, the reason why I had him on was because 
he spoke to us in a way from a training perspective that no one else was as honest of like when he wouldn't send and why he wouldn't send and the problems that he saw in the relationship. And just to kind of give you some context, you know, one of the things he talked about was like people in my world that are PT Cairo, they think that every time someone's in pain that you should just, your the trainer should just send them to, to my place that if they're in pain, send them to me. And James, he's like, listen, 70% of people walk in my door with pain. He's like, that is not going to work. It's just not feasible. Even if you think it's a good idea, like it's just not going to happen. And so if that's the reality of the world that we're living in, what, how does this work and how can it work and what conversations do need to be had? What is the discrepancy between someone being able to sort of train through, train around, program around versus being need to be referred out versus being able to do both? So um, I, we live in that world and I dissect it because, you know, for not only our practice, uh, but my clients now in my coaching business, their biggest referral source typically are gyms, whether it's CrossFit or semi-private or personal training. And so for us to be able to, you know, massage those relationships and figure out how to make that work. I mean, that's kind of like my obsession basically, because it's how most of us eat, to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that podcast tomorrow and I'm like, oh man, I feel like I just had like the same conversation with him. And you're going to be like, oh man, I just repeated myself. <laughs> no, I honestly, the, the more you hear, the more both sides, I think, hear it, I think the better communication it is going back to that communication. The other thing that just to bring the audience, because not everyone's going to listen to it, but I think another <laughs> important piece is, you know, oftentimes where a lot of those in-house relationships go wrong is that the expectations from the start are off where I'm going to refer you and you're going to refer me and then both sides don't aren't clear and then it doesn't happen and then eventually it you know sort of breaks up and in theory it all sounds good but in practicality it often doesn't work that way and if we do believe that this is the best business under one roof for the client and then that our relationship goes sour then the client is the one that suffers and nobody wins. Yeah, I think one of the, I don't know if it was a mistake, it was just probably more of a lesson when I started my own business, I would go like into other people's spaces, like physical therapists and chiropractors and try to get to know them a little bit, maybe network, but like, it's kind of it's when it's forced or you know it's kind of like a networking thing and you're like hey you send me clients i'll send you clients yeah. blah blah never has it panned out before yeah. but when i get to know people like as a friend first like a friendship develops and i kind of trust that there's going to be like a good relationship that's the only time it has ever kind of panned out but if i had that person under the same roof it would probably be a completely different circumstance but it, it would, um, though I think just like the baseline of building any relationship in life uh, is built around what? Trust, time, trust, and knowing that you're going to hopefully provide value. Now, again, uh, I'm people say I'm pretty direct. And so like it's not it's not unknown that like if I create a relationship, there's a chance later on that it could be beneficial to me. I think that's part of life. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there should, there's a genuine nature, um, you know, the story that tell about, about the gym. When I joined that gym and it was no, it wasn't any BS. Like it was across the street from my office. And I said, like, I am not here to get patients. I am here because I need to, I need this for me. 
Yeah. And and as James says, he's like, you didn't think it was a bad idea that you could make money and help these people, but legitimately, when you said that, it was actually true. Like you weren't here to solicit clients, and over the six years that you've been a member, you never have done that. Like you, when you said you were there for you, you were there for you. And so, like as a as a tip, one of the best things any service provider can do for another service provider is utilize their service and yeah. pay for it. And so uh, tomorrow. Monica from AMP is coming to our house because my daughter's nine months and she scoots all around, but she won't crawl. So Monica's working with her on crawling. And every time Monica comes over, Justin writes her a check for the service. I don't expect it free. I don't want it free. If they, they value me to help them and I value, and I value them, I'm, I need their service. My daughter needs the service and I'm going to pay for it because that's, I think, the relationship that we should create. And so one of the best ways to develop those relationships is to invest in the other side. You know, we, we, with your time and your money, I mean, that's, that's the most genuine thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's pretty much where it comes down to like the friendship level in terms of like, I, I personally use them. So like, that's, that's where that comes from, for sure. It, I totally agree. Um, getting into like the business aspect, you want to talk about, you know, how you kind of started um, your mastermind, your, your business course, and how, how that's been in terms of like passing on your, your wisdom to others. Yeah, I mean it's it's been unbelievable, but I guess just even going back to my journey when I started chiropractic in 2009 for people that aren't familiar um like when I got to school, it, it, I always say it felt like there was basically two ways you could go. You could be a rehab Cairo and treat ethically and do the right thing with patients. But the thing that came with that was being broke, legitimately being broke. Or you could go and build that other type of practice where you see 100 patients a day of seven rooms and you're spending two minutes with people and you crack their back and move to the next room. And that's how you can make money doing it. And from that day, from 2009, when I first started school to today, it's, um, I, it's exactly the same in that I just wasn't willing to accept that that had to be true. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of practitioners here, PTs, potentially trainers that are very much into their, their craft. And I respect that because that's who I am. But the piece potentially where hopefully I can get people thinking a little differently is that doesn't mean you have to you be a martyr. It doesn't mean that you can't run a successful business. It doesn't mean that actually the impact that you can have is so far beyond you just treating a client that like in our world now, because I've, I've learned business, I can pass my knowledge on not only to my team of 12 people, but hundred, literally hundreds of people from the US, Canada, or even in Australia now. But that's not because that's, that's because I have the business skills that I learned them and now can, can sort of teach them. And so going back, the premise for me was I think the reason why the people that resonate with my message is because they know that like, like when I talk clinically, I know what I'm talking about because I was a clinician uh, and our clinicians in our practice are super high level, but just like that's 50%. But the other 50% is we're going to run a world-class business and they're not mutually exclusive. And so the premise of my practice, the premise of my coaching group is, is that's it. It's just like world-class business, world-class clinical skills. And everything that we do revolves around those two things. Awesome. So how, what's your typical like audience for that in terms of like people who own facilities versus maybe who are like independent contractors? Because obviously I read a little bit about you and you kind of 
said that one of the business kind of started off with, you know, no facility and kind of just table kind of like. Yeah. Around, so. so I guess just make, because I want to make sure we're speaking about the same terms. What mm-hmm. of like having a physical facility versus independent contractor in my world, both times they're both, they're still business owners, yeah. uh, but just might not have a physical space. Yep. So exactly. to me, they're, those are exactly the same. And, and a lot of the times in my world, when I get what I call a rehab Cairo coming into my world, they oftentimes rent a room out of a gym or they rent a room out of another office. So like when I opened my practice, I literally had four staff and had like a, I think a $400,000 business with four full-time staff renting a room out of a gym and renting a room out of another chiropractor's office. So we had like a real business. We just didn't have our own space. Now we bought a space and it's nice and pretty and all of that, but we ran like a legitimate business without that. The thing for me beyond the physical space, beyond if it's that you have your own space or you rent a room or whatever, if you are the business owner in that situation, in either capacity, the thing that like is undefeated is having the business skills. So just because you hang up a shingle and and have a space doesn't mean that you have business skills. Doesn't mean just because you have a EIN number doesn't mean that you uh, have business. Just because you have a logo doesn't mean that you understand business. If you understand leadership, if you understand marketing skills and sales skills and how to operate a business and then understand the back end financials, that to me is the business. And for us, I mean, that's how I built it. But a lot of our clients, they're world-class business people and they rent a room out of a gym. And it's only a matter of time before they just have to make the decision to go into a bigger facility and grow the team and do all of that. But the thing for me, whoever is listening to this, if you're in in business service-based as a PT, Cairo, or a trainer or a coach, uh, you, you literally you cannot lose if you understand marketing, if you can sell, if you understand finance, if you can lead people. And let's just say, and I told my team this once, I said, let's just say this place burns down and goes out of business tomorrow. Because of the business skills that you guys have, you are going to find a job really quickly, or you're going to start your own thing really quickly. Now, if the opposite was if we had a big facility and you had no skills and the facility closed, well, you're unemployable. No one wants you. And so actually a gym owner told me this once, my friend Joe from Game Changer Gym years ago, I always, I said to him one time, I'm like, Joe, what would you do if you, if you didn't own this gym? He's like, I'd probably just go into sales. He's like, I've learned so much about sales, owning a gym that if this gym shut down or I didn't want to do it anymore, I would just go get a sales job because I have that skill. And that lesson always stuck with me because I thought about you know, we have a technical skill, which I don't think we should discount, whether it's training or whether it's being a chiropractor, like that's a, a real marketable skill where you can always be employed. But even beyond that, like if you know how to do the marketing, if you can go and do sales with people, if you understand finance, you're always going to find work and be fine, even if it's out of the, the field. And so I always say it's like career insurance to have business skills. That's awesome. So how did you start off with all that? Did you just, were you just like a bookworm? Did you take courses on different things? And why don't you think other people do the same thing? Um, so the way I started, as I've looked back on my journey, so I'm 37, I played baseball in college. I was either going to be a coach or do something in medicine. And so I've always been sort of like very cerebral in that and one of the things that came very naturally to me that I don't think for others is I've always just taken my same mentality that I had as an athlete 
and just translated it to the new thing that I'm doing. And so when I was an athlete, when I was a kid, now my parents luckily could afford it. I always was going to camps. I always asked for like private instruction. I wanted to go to like weight training, all those things. Cause I was always just so interested in, I guess at that point, that was my version of personal development. And I, it, it was always, I loved the idea of seeing like I'm here and then I can grow myself to become this. And in sports, like it's very objective. And so like, I was never the best athlete, but you know, by the end I ended up being again, relative to my talent level, one of the better people in school and played in college and all of that. But it wasn't because I was supremely talented. It was because I just did more than everybody else. And so that was just how I lived my life as an athlete. And then when I went to chiropractic school, I translated that to being a clinician. And so I took every seminar, FMS, SFMA, TPI, uh, DNS, uh, like you name it. I had every three letter because at that point, becoming a world-class clinician meant that I was going to take that same attitude that I did as an athlete and become a clinician. And then when I started to dive into this business stuff, let's call it, I opened my practice in 2015. I started to invest in business coaching and masterminds and books and podcasts and all of that because it was just the next journey that I was going to be on to become world-class at a thing. Now, luckily in every situation, I think I've been, I guess, wise to pick avenues that I'm passionate about. And so like, I love it. And so when I was an athlete, I just loved doing it. It's all I wanted to do. When I first got into practice from 2012 to probably 2020, 2021, I was a clinician and that's all I was obsessed with being the best clinician. And now that sort of just shifted into the marketing and sales leadership and building this sort of second company. And so the, the, the tactics have changed and the things I'm studying have changed, but the, the mindset has always been exactly the same and that I'm just like, obsessed with just bettering myself in the avenue that I'm pursuing. Yeah. And you basically, you're striving for education and investing in basically yourself and your businesses kind of funnels down to the people underneath you. Um, talk about a little bit like your, your mastermind and your, your business course that you have. Yeah. So um, probably in 20, 2020, 2020 was an interesting year. Obviously, COVID shut the world down, but actually it was one of the biggest growth years that we ever had in our practice. Our business grew 34%. I opened up another location actually in a gym and um, the, the other location, I had a partner and basically it was the first test for me to see if what our system that we created would work without me doing it. And between that and sort of stepping out of the practice, it gave me in the practice and it was successful. And so what I learned at that point was I wasn't the secret sauce. Like it didn't have to be me for all of our systems and processes to work. And um, I had been a a client in a business coaching group uh, for a long time. And I always saw what that, what my mentor Paul was doing. And I said, like, I feel like it was for physical therapists because I couldn't find anything for Kairos. And I always thought like, there's nothing out there for Kairos. That's why I'm in his group. So I always thought like one day, one day, I always said, remember I said I was going to be a coach. I thought it was going to be a sports, but now it's just a business. But I was like, one day I'm going to do this. And I, and I always had the vision. And so um, in 2021, you know, very, very low key, I literally called up like six of my friends who were chiropractors. And I was like, listen, I'm thinking of doing this thing. I want to start coaching this. We've done really well. Basically, would you take, would you give me a chance, take my course? And at the time, I think I charged $400 for it or something. Now it's five grand for this course. Um, But I was on Zoom and we recorded and everything. And that's how it started. 
And I think just like another business lesson, not only am I super passionate about it, but the most importantly, the reason it's grown is because the people that I'm coaching are getting unbelievable results and their lives are improving and their families are improving and their businesses are improving. And, you know, we get people that we give them a little bit of confidence, a little bit of structure, uh, which it's just allowing them to practice the way they want and also make a good living. Remember going back business that they want business that the, that they love and also clinically the way it needs to be. And we started seeing like the results just keep getting better. People that are making 8,000 bucks a month are making 40 a month and people that are making 10 are making 25 and like million dollars. Like, you know, that's not everyone, but like that's our average like growth of practices is 106%. Like when they come into our world, they more than double their practice, right? Because of what we're teaching them. And so now it's like, we have enough data to know that like this works. Um, If you just listen to us a little bit, like you're going to be fine. Um, And then that built and I'd be, I would be remiss to not speak about the people that we have too. It isn't just me. You know, I have a marketing department that runs marketing. I have a sales department that runs sales and they are teaching with me as well. So it isn't, you're not just getting Justin. And I think that does two things. Number one, it not only, uh, not only allows other people to have an opportunity to grow, but I think my clients see like, like your staff is incredible and it makes me look good. Like they make me look good because you wait till you see and hear some of my people and you're like, they're legit. Like they know their stuff. And so I think that what we built is so unique because I'm not just the guy sitting up there talking. Like it's a, it's truly is a team. And then on the back end of that, the thing, you know, and you know, this, like a lot of people that are gurus and coaches, they don't really either don't have a business or they close their business or they don't talk about their business because their business isn't successful. We've had three of our most successful months in a row at, at our brick and mortar practice of the last three. And I am completely removed where I have, I see, I do six patient visits a year for one guy that's been on my schedule for a decade and I am never in that business. And so like the proof is there and what we do is working and it's because of our process, but it's because of our people. And that just translates out to to everyone else. And, you know, I think um, my mentor, I always say the thing he showed me, not the tactics, but he showed me what was possible. Like he showed me what I could do. Like I could grow this thing and I could build a team and I could have people and I could live the lifestyle I wanted and I could teach other people it. He showed me that it was possible and I had to go and do it. And if, and that's my only goal is to help people do that. Like, uh, if I can do that and just give them a little idea of you can do this, not going to be easy. Like there's a lot to it, but if I can just show you it's possible, if I can give you something, cause we've all been beaten down, business is tough. Sometimes the people close to us, tell us the worst things. We don't believe in ourselves. Um, but if I can be the one to say like, you absolutely can, if you just do a few of the right steps and you fall, put your head down and listen, you're going to be fine. If I can do that for people, you know, we, we've done our job. Yeah. I'm a, one of my biggest values is lift as you rise. So as you succeed, you want to bring up as many people as possible. And I try to have real conversations and hard conversations with the young transitioning coaches or people want to enter into the field because I want to get them into the mindset that they don't have to work 80 hours a week for minimal pay. And that's supposed to be like their career. It's just unsustainable. Like you can work in this field and make money, but when you're young, of course, it's time for learning, not earning sometimes, but 
learning these skills is something that I've like the past couple of years has astronomically benefited me because I've kind of gone through that, that learning phase in terms of like the clinical setting. And now like learning these business skills is something that's going to hopefully set me up for a long sustainable career versus like these very short careers that you see in the strength conditioning world. Yeah. And, and I think even beyond that, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts in my profession is like, I'll talk to people. I want to change the profession. I want to do all of it. It's like these big lofty goals. And yeah. for me, it's like, first of all, you need to change yourself. Then the best way to change the profession is to build a business with to, to what you were saying, like bring up people around you. Like, I don't care if you, if, you know, it's so many people, it's like, and I know this happens at my mastermind because my staff tells me like a lot of people go up to my staff and they're like, like, what's Justin really like? Right. And, and I have respect it and I get it and I understand it and I'm not mad at it. Luckily, I know that they tell them the truth. And I think actually, in my opinion, that I'm better for them than I even am on TV, so to speak. And I take a lot of pride in that. But the way that we're going to, I'm going to change the profession is that I'm going to work with the people around me and I'm going to be there for them and lead them and show them the way. Like I tell my team all the time and it's the conversation we have. I said, listen, I just want you to know something. I am going to continue to grow. Like I am going to grow. It is up to you to continue to keep the pace. I want you to be here for our growth. But if you fall off or stay stuck, like you're not going to be here very long. However, if you continue to grow with me, like this is a race and I'm running it and I can't let you catch me. So I will continue to grow. So as long as you stay on pace and keep going with me, we're going to be just fine. The only way this is going to not work is if you stop growing. If you stop growing, you're probably not going to be here very long. But I want to, like for me, building it within is the most important piece of it. And then after that, then I can start expanding my message where, like I said, now it's in Australia, but like, I love my guy in Australia, Dean, like I appreciate him, but not as much as like my people that I'm with every single day. Like that's the impact I can have. What's, what's the biggest like bottleneck or barrier you kind of see with, you know, rehab chiros? Is it like unwillingness to invest? Is it lack of knowledge? Um, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, so a couple things. I mean, just on a general level, we always say personal growth precedes professional growth. And so people that, that like they have all the clinical courses and they get the not. So think about this for a second. In what we do clinically, like it's challenging because if you get two back pain patients, it's very different and you get very different outcomes, even if you do the same thing, because the people are different. Yeah. But if you look at like my world, actually as a coach and a consultant, it's actually the complete opposite in that two people come into my world, they take the exact same course and they can get wildly different results. And so if you think about that, like why? Like I'm fascinated by that answer. It's the same thing. It's the variable is controlled, but two people get wildly different results. And the thing that I keep coming back to over and over and over again is that the personal growth precedes the professional growth. That if they are ready to receive the information, ready to take the leap and do the thing, the content is all the same. Like I haven't changed the content for the person. It's just that certain people receive it in a different way. And so I think number one, it's always, if you're growing personally, that will always precede professional growth. I think that, um, and this goes very much for trainers as well and coaches. Uh, I think a lot of us have that complex where we just want to help people, which is really just a 
a, a veil of not having the business knowledge and skills because typically that means we don't want to charge anyone and we don't want to tell them what they need. Or what I try to get them on the mindset of is you have someone coming into your gym that is morbidly obese, like, and you don't tell them that they need a lot of sessions and they need a lot of work because you're afraid to spend their money. I just want to help them. Well, actually, no, you don't. You want to save them money. They, they, you're, the best way to help them is to tell them the truth. And so I think a lot of us, they, we live in this because we're in a serviced industry we kind of hide behind the, I just want to help people thing, but reality, we're just, we're just protecting our own personal ego, so to speak, because we don't want to be real with people. We don't want to be kind with people. We don't want to tell them the truth. And so I think that goes into my industry as well. You know, if someone comes in with that chronic back pain and they need to be with you and it's going to cost them four grand, but you tell them, uh, it's, it's, it's just maybe you only need to be here for two months cause, and it's only two grand and you try to count their money because you want to just help everyone and you don't tell them the truth. You're not actually helping them in the first place. And so I think that goes into, you know, the sort of the two things, personal growth first. And then I think this hiding behind this veil of like, I just want to help people and what that really means, so to speak. Yeah, know? absolutely. And I, I think people get the misconception as well of like, that they'll find value in something that's for free. And that's, that's sometimes not the case that there needs to be some sort of financial commitment for people to feel accountable sometimes and, and get better results. Always. Always. Yeah. All right. So what do you envision for your future? Do you think you just want to keep growing in terms of uh, the mastermind? Like where do you see yourself? Um, I'm actually going to talk about, I'll give a little preview. I'm going to talk about this in my opening at the live event that you are attending. Um, the, and I did this and they didn't like my answer, which is why I'm going to talk about it. The only thing that I can come to my only goal over the, if for the next two years is that if, if I and my team can show up with the level of enthusiasm and energy and just loving what we're doing and have the passion for the next 24 months, I just, there's no way in the world that we don't have more success than we could have ever dreamed of, whether that's financial, whether that's impact, whatever the case may be. And so my only goal in the future is the way that I feel right now, the, again, like I said, the passion, the enthusiasm, the, the, the way that myself and my team are showing up every single day. If we have that, the rest of it is going to just take care of itself. I, I, I've been unbelievably fortunate um, to, to, you know, live, I'm living a very good life, but I think what most of us realize, and I think luckily I've known this for a while, you know, you chase the money for so long. And then when you make it, you realize it's not what you wanted in the first place anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, like I've said, I think I've realized that for long. I've been fortunate to make some money and do all of that. And that's fantastic, but it isn't what we're all chasing in the first place anyway. And so, if we make 10 million bucks or if we make 2 million or 20, like it's not going to change who I am. I think that the, the changes that we make personally, like personal growth precedes professional growth. And I just want to be able to keep growing myself and have that passion, uh, whatever that is. I think it's going to be business like I'm doing for a long time. I don't have any plans on doing anything different. Maybe we'll have more practices. Like, I don't know. Those details will work themselves out. But again, it all starts with what I talked about before of growing myself as a person, being unbelievably enthusiastic about what we're doing, building a great team. And then with that, we've got all, all that we need and everything will, will turn out in exactly the way that we want it to. 
Yeah, you seem to really enjoy, I mean, I just hear you talking. It seems like you really enjoy the process of, of what you do. And um, some people don't. They have like a separate kind of their hobbies and what they enjoy and just something that they do for fi financial gain. Um, and if, the more you can marry that, but that's that's probably few and far in between. But the more I learn about business skills and the excitement I get from the potential of what I can build and grow, the more that that kind of enthusiasm comes back to me to like what I do and bleeds into, you know, what I do to make money. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're in service-based businesses and we can't deny that. It yeah. means that there is a, there is a level that we got into this to make an impact and help people. And sometimes the way that we have to help and impact people is to kind of have those hard conversations, which you mentioned, and, and do some things that are uncomfortable on our end. And so there have been many people that I've been on sales calls with to get them into the my business course. And it's been awkward because I'm, I'm pressure selling them because they don't want to do it. But you know what? They said yes. And a couple of them, it's, their life has changed. And so the point that I'm trying to make is that like we all get worried and pressure and all of that. But if I am conviction in that they need to be here, I have to do whatever it takes. We have people that literally, we have a guy right now, his name's Dan, he's in Portland. Um, I remember the call, awkward. I mean, it was weird. If you heard, this guy's a scumbag, right? He ended up signing up. He was working at a job. He quit it 18 months before he was supposed to. This month, a week ago, he hit 33 grand in revenue and he was a week and a half left, just got married, the whole thing. If I didn't do that with him, he wouldn't have said, he wouldn't be here. And like, it literally gives me chills thinking about that, which again, the, the passion that you see me have, like, I don't care if he got off that, if, he, if it didn't work out and he thought I was a scumbag, I don't care because I know that I was doing the best for him because I know that what was possible. And I saw it when he didn't. And my job was to be able to show him that. And whatever capacity that is, whether that's leadership of my team of pushing them beyond where they think they can go, because I see it more, whether that's with my clients saying, you need to be able to do this, whether it's with a patient of believing in them when they don't believe themselves. It goes back to like, if I believe in myself first, and then I believe that what we can do can help them forward, it's my job to communicate that to them. And so when I come from that level of conviction, like the rest of it becomes kind of easy, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It bleeds over into everything. The, the more I learn about like communication, messaging, sales, marketing, the better conversations I have with just my clients, not necessarily like the, you know, leads I'm trying to sell to or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so how can people learn more about you, Justin? Um, I would say two things. The our Instagram is pretty popular, so it's at Justin Rabinowitz. It's just my name. Every day we post, we post twice a day at least of business content. And then the next best, which I alluded to before, um, we we could link to is my podcast, free podcast. I literally just relaunched today. Again, don't know when this is going out, but a a conversation I had with James Pratt, who owns Pratt Personal Training, two million dollar gym from zero started at zero. I've been there a lot of the journey. Um, but I, I do one-on-one -on -one podcasts. I do interviews. I do a lot of really good stuff. The podcast does get a lot of good feedback and I enjoy doing it. So if, if someone's listening and they want more information, those are the two best places to start. And the best thing is they are absolutely free. And then from there, there's other stuff, but I would just start there. Awesome. No, I love your stuff. Love your podcast. Love your Instagram. I'll be at your event in September. So I'm, I'm excited to see you in action.
Yes, you are. Uh, uh, I'm excited to have you there. And, and I want when you leave on Sunday, come up to me and tell me, I'm telling you, like with this, my staff and all of that, that's, that's the thing for me. It's like when you see them, you're like, yeah, they're, they share the same passion and energy as you. That's when I know we're doing well. That's the impact that I want to have. So uh, uh, you're going to test me. We'll see. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you're enjoying what Michelle and I are putting together here, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review on your pod player of choice. Reviews help us climb the rankings, which improves our ability to help more coaches and therapists continue to push our industry and knowledge base forward. The intro and outro music for More Train, Less Pain was produced by Jacob Azurdia. You can find out more about his music by visiting his Instagram page, J underscore Z-U-R-D-I-A. Thanks for listening. Oh,